Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today we have Scott Smith. Uh, Scott is an attorney and he's the founder and CEO of Royal Legal Solutions, one of the top asset protection companies for real estate investors in the country. He provides advice for 29,000 real estate investors representing most US states with holdings over $4.5 billion. So thank you so much, Scott, for being on the show today. Hey, thanks, Charles. It's, uh, it's my pleasure to, uh, to be here. I can't wait to uh, drop some knowledge for everybody on like, what I've learned on uh, about asset protection, estate planning, tax, and all the good stuff we do here at Royal Legal. Awesome. Yeah, we're looking forward to learning about it. So um, I gave you a little bit of background there. Can you, uh, can you expand on your professional experience prior to starting your current firm? Yeah, so I was actually a real estate investor um, during law school and then after law school um, until I realized I could make more money doing real estate investing uh, than I could be in an attorney. So I quit my attorney job was just sort of being a real estate investor and, and doing that work. And um, then I ran into a lot of problems that people have as entrepreneurs and real estate investors. What to do about tax structures, what to do about, you know, risks about being sued. You know, do I need insurance or LLCs? You know, what do I need to be doing here? And what am I estate planning? Make sure that my family's taken care of, anything happens to me. Um, these are questions I had ran into myself. And then, you know, I had to solve those questions for myself. So, you know, I put together the systems that, uh, to be able to do that and people ask me you know for help if i could help them do what i did and then pretty soon i accidentally started a law firm right i mean with, by just helping the the people around me and now we're up to about 20 people um in royal legal um number of attorneys and paralegals and we help you know uh, real estate investors and entrepreneurs all over the country you know, protect their assets you know hide it using anonymity trust streamline everything for taxes so give us a little background on your firm. You, you went over kind of, you have 20 people and, um, but what are those, what are the special services that we'd be getting from a firm like yours versus a traditional attorney that most real estate investors are using for transactions? Yeah. So the difference is, um, and when you look into professional services, it's, it's about who actually works and makes money the same way you make money. So if you can ever hire a professional that makes money the same way that you make money, then they don't know just like the high level pieces, right? They actually know the ins and outs of what does it actually take to actually get you there, right? And that's really the big difference between um, uh, looking for like mediocre kinds of advice or mediocre types of uh, people to invite in your world versus like the really A players. Like the A players that I think everybody needs on their team are people that have done the things or are the people that they seek out to be or to do the things they seek out to do. And that's really what's different about Royal Legals because I had to solve all of these problems for myself first, right? And I do actively invest in real estate. I'm in 10 different states at any given time, just about every asset class. Um, so what that means is that when it comes into, you know, how, what type of solution do, you know, do me or my staff recommend for somebody, well, that's based upon my own experience and as well as the experience of thousands of other investors that we can say, hey, this is actually the best practice. Yeah. This is actually how your contracts need to work. This is actually how the taxes are going to work. This is actually how banking and the accounting are actually going to happen. And this is, you know, so you, it's that next level of detail. 
Yeah. No, that's funny because I had a, my first real estate attorney I had years back when I bought uh, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I bought a uh, commercial piece of property. And he was like, why do you want to, why do you want to put it in an LLC? Why are you putting your LLC? Why are you going to do this? And I was like, and he was just trying to save money. Right. And I was like, um, you know, <laughs> am I telling you this? Are you my attorney or not? It's just funny because you have to go, you know, attorneys are like doctors. You know what I mean? You have to go to the right one for what you're, what you're trying to do, right? What you're trying to get solved and going to a general, um, you know, a general practitioner is not going to help you if you have a specific need. So that's yeah. very interesting. It's like the difference between going to a doctor and a heart surgeon, right? Like yeah. that's really the kind of difference between, you know, like my colleagues that are, you know, our attorneys, right? Uh, versus of how niche I am, which is like, here's asset protection and tax. And we just mm -hmm. focus just on real estate investors. And just yeah. like, yeah. when you get down to that level of specificity, that's when you start being able to get um, really deep advice very quickly about right okay, this is actually the painted plan that I need for the next one year, five years. And it's really important to do this stuff because, I mean, I had a friend of mine who, you know, lost over $3 million because mm -hmm. he wasn't protected. He was owning assets in his personal name. He thought that his insurance policies were enough to protect him. He didn't understand that insurance companies are profit-seeking corporations. He didn't understand that insurance only protects you against like simple accidents. It doesn't protect yeah. you against really bad accidents. It doesn't protect you against the allegations of fraud from an email that you sent or breach of contract. You know, it doesn't cover you from all those things. And so it cost him three million bucks when he could have just put together some simple LLC structures and, and he would have been coming out losing nothing. So, I mean, the yeah. impacts of this stuff is huge on whether you do them or not. Yeah, I was reading about that on your website about your friend or that had that uh, situation where he lost $3 million, which is terrifying. But um, it was it was interesting read on your website. If anybody's interested, we'll get to the links later on. But um, so we have, we have listeners who are active syndicators, passive investors, active investors purchasing smaller properties individually. Can you kind of explain, uh, explain the uh, optimal structure for these investors? Is it single LLCs? Is it a series LLCs, which I think people don't understand that much? Yeah, the series LLC is really the best you know, piece of like legal uh, technology that you can use, right? So it's basic, essentially what you're going to be able to do um, is you get to pay for one LLC that can then spawn and create on its own an infinite number of these child LLCs, right? And a series LLC structure, we refer to that as like the parent that gets filed with the state and it can create an individual, an infinite number of these individual child series of the parent series LLC. And each child series doesn't cost you anything to create. There's no annual filings for it. Um, and you can just create them there like on your own desktop. And why this is so important is because then you can compartmentalize the liability for every single asset that you own. You can protect all of your cash and stocks. You only have one entity that you have to maintain, one bank account, one EIN number, one set of accounting books, and you track the income and expense for each individual property or asset individually um, in your accounting records, which is what you know all of us are doing anyway to be able to know what the true you know, ROI is you know, on your, your portfolio of assets. So uh, if anybody's looking into asset protection right now, um, with a, uh, one thing they need to know is that you can use a series LLC in your state, right? You might not be able to form it in your state, but you can either form it in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming, that has strong charging order protections, and then use it in your state. Uh, and you won't have any issue doing that. Or, uh, and I know uh, this is the case because I've actually defended these structures, right? So these are the structures that I use for myself, the ones I recommend my clients, and that I'm active in participating in any litigation that results from them. Can you explain a little bit more about the, you have those very um, creditor averse states that you mentioned. Can you explain a little bit more about those states in a nutshell and then also the charging order, which is so important? Yeah. So 
um, not all, all LLCs are made the same, right? So that's why people like shop for Delaware, for example, right? Is because they wanted their protections underneath Delaware law for the LLCs, regardless of where that LLC is used, right? So the same thing is true with the series LLC. And it, it matters where you form it, because if it gets sued in another state, they have to look back at the home state to determine what are the protections of that LLC. Um, the reasons why they have to do that is because of the full faith and credit of the U.S. Constitution, which says the laws of one state have to be respected among the several states. The same same type of legal analysis that lets us use a Delaware LLC anywhere in the country is the same thing that allows us to use like a Delaware series LLC across the country. Mm. And what you're looking for is strong charging order protection, which is in those four states that I mentioned, Delaware, Texas, Nevada, Wyoming. Um, charging order protection relates to say if somebody sues you, they can't get to your LLC, and that's very very important. They can't take your ownership interest in the LLC. So no matter where you're using LLCs in the country, we typically always recommend that um, that you're forming uh, and that you have in as part of your asset protection strategy an LLC formed in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming. Interesting. Okay. And that's obviously where you're going to be holding your assets. What happens, uh, for example, someone has a brand, right? Or their operating company, let's say, does that really matter that much? And they don't, I mean, maybe their intellectual property is a trademark, let's say. Um, what, does that really matter what state it's in since it's not really holding assets per se? Yeah. So um, what you always look for is at least two companies. It doesn't matter if you're a syndicator. It doesn't matter if you're a syndicator investor. It doesn't matter if you're just Joe Schmo off the street, you know, that has, you know, a little bit of a company and, and also some assets. You want two companies. One is your asset holding company, which I'm recommending that you use a series LLC. Um, an anonymous series LLC formed through a law firm is the best. That way you can actually hide all the assets. You can hide your ownership. company, So it looks like you qualify for food stamps if anybody ever looks to sue you. The second company you need, totally separate, is an operating company, which doesn't own anything, but it does all of your active business. And then any assets that you might say would be part of the operating company should actually all be owned by your asset holding company and leased mm -hmm. back to your operating company. The idea there is you want a company that's your fall guy, right? It's the one that people are interacting with. It's the one that's sending the contracts. And then if one gets sued, you can just wind that company down, shut it down and start up a new one. But they can never get to your assets. Your assets all stay protected inside of a separate company. Interesting. Okay. What are some of the best ways to prevent a lawsuit from the beginning? Obviously, we went through this about structuring. Are there any other, uh, any other things that we can investors can use to prevent it um, outside of uh, correctly structuring it? So, you know, you could always say like the typical things, right? Like be honest, speak, treat people fairly, right? That's going to do like a long way to uh, help you stay out of lawsuits. But the one thing I found out being a litigator is that it doesn't actually matter how honest you are because everybody's going to call you a liar the moment they sue you anyway, right? And they're going to find all these things to lie about you and whatever, right? So honesty really is no defense um, to this, right? Um, so what it really is, is all comes down to like two major pieces of, of structure. It's having the operating companies that way there's always you have personal protection that, you know, you're not entering into deals directly with people. Um, so that way like they can't come back and sue you and damage your credit score. Even if you don't know anything, you set a credit score that you need to protect no matter what level of the game you're at. And then you also have that asset holding company. That's an anonymous asset holding company and that it owns all of your assets anonymously. And, and if you can make it where they can't attack you personally because you're protected by this LLC from doing the deal itself and that you don't actually own anything because everything is owned by this anonymous asset holding company that they can't find, they can't find out what these empty assets are, you are like the worst possible target to go after from a lawsuit because you look like you're protected and it also looks like you don't own anything. So what the hell is the point of suing you? Right. 
So what are some of the, you, you have top, you have uh, like 10 different top asset protection techniques. Can you go through some of the main ones that uh, you suggest to your clients? Yeah. So the number one thing that I suggest to all the clients to do is to start owning their assets that anything that has to do with the public record is side of trust structures, right? So you have a trust structure that hides your ownership from any of the public record um, from, from owning that asset. You want to structure that through a law firm. So that way any request for information about that or any trustees associated with that, I'll point back to an attorney. So that way all the information about that trust and that transaction is all protected by the attorney client privilege. Um, and that you want to make sure that, that trust is in turn owned by an LLC or a series LLC. So if you're out there and you're just like, hey, I'm just a syndication investor or I'm just putting money into different deals, you can consider making, those, uh, making all of those deals and all those investments through a trust. Um, so that way your name doesn't appear on all of the operating agreements and other documentation with the membership of the shareholders, right? You might not want people to know where you're putting your money inside of different deals because you might be in certain circles where people are then keeping track of like, where do you have your money in deals? And you might not want people to know that. Similarly, it's the same thing as part of the public records. Like if your name is listed in conjunction, you own property in your personal name and it's listed like that on the public records, People then can search easily and find out what are your assets? How much are they worth? How much, what's your indebtedness look like on them? Are you a good person to sue? Are you a good person um, you know, to, to otherwise uh, to go after for some, for some other reason? And personally, it just makes me uncomfortable that people could search and find that much yeah, information yeah. about me by having, you know, if I have stuff in my personal name. I was reading before that, um, you know, a lot of with these FHA mortgages for people that are first time home buyers, one to four units, and you have the, um, the due on sale clause, right? With that due on sale clause, if you're moving it into a land trust, isn't that correct that you would not trigger that? Yeah, that's right. When you, you can't move the property directly into an LLC, it'll trigger the due on sale clause. But if you move the property into a land trust per the St. Germain Act, that doesn't trigger the due on sale clause. So what you can do is, is go out there and get those super cheap interest rates. I think I just, I just bought a property at the 2.8% interest rate right now. Wow. Into it, right? So, I mean, like these are insane interest rates right now, right? But I wanted that cheap financing. So I got that and I bought the property in my personal name and then I transferred it into the land trust after the fact, mm -hmm. right? And then now the property is held anonymously and it's protected because the land trust is in turn owned by an LLC. Wow. The bank can't um, call my property due because I transfer it to a land trust. I didn't transfer it to an LLC. I transfer it to the land trust. It's protected by the St. Germain Act. Um, and now it's anonymously and it's, and it's protected inside of my entity structure. And for your first 10 properties, that's how you get your first 10 properties and you get it with the cheapest rates is that you just keep buying them in your personal name and then transferring them into the land trust and LLC structure after the fact. So with that land trust, that's going to be a state specific land trust. Is that how it works? And then you're, it's going to be owned by one of those, one of those four very creditor reverse states that you mentioned earlier. Is that correct? Yeah. So typically we're going to use like a Texas or a Wyoming series LLC because those are the cheapest and the best protections and they're the cheapest to maintain mm -hmm. year over year. Right. Um, and then um, each of the properties that you would buy, has their own individual ser child series and it's their mm. own individual land trust. Both of those don't cost you anything to create and they're both not filed, right? Mm. Um, and all you have to do then is then deed the property from you when you acquired it into the, into the name of the land trust that's in turn and owned by the child series of your series LLC. And um, everything just rolls up through the parent uh, to be able to get reported out to you. Um, if it's just you individually, there's not even a separate tax return you have to file with it. It just gets reported onto the schedule E of your personal return. Okay. And you, so like you just mentioned, you can do this if you had 
you and someone else, you and a spouse or something, you could transfer it into a land trust and um, not trigger anything. That's right. Yeah. It's it's just all about because it's a transfer to a trust. It's a legal legal loophole in there, right? That they created Mm -hmm. about being able to say you could transfer these to a trust um, and and fall underneath the protections of the act. So what are some keys to lawsuit defense? If you find yourself in that unfortunate position, what do you suggest to a client? Yeah, so the first thing you need to do um, is get a hold of a good attorney that's going to be you know, familiar with you know, the, the litigation. Um, part of what we do as well at Legal Solutions is we offer a membership that we call like our family office membership. Um, and with that, it's, you know, we take care of all of the accountability and compliance for all of our clients around you know, uh, having at least twice a year a meeting to be able to make sure that you have the appropriate asset protection strategy and tax strategy, that you're maintaining things correctly, you're, you're doing all the things that you should be doing on the tax and legal front. Um, of your life and has a host of other benefits to it as well. But the main piece that it also has is that it's litigation defense. So from day one, any of the members of, of my company are able to call up, talk to an attorney. It doesn't cost them anything to be able to find out, hey, it looks like I might get sued here. I just got this letter, this communication, or I just got this in the mail. What do I need to do next, right? And so then we take over with helping, um, helping people do that. Because if you've never been through litigation, how do you even know like what to do? Uh, but it's really the there's nothing you can do to keep from getting sued because anybody can sue you for any reason. All you can really do is two major things is one um, set up the right protection pieces well ahead of time. They only work if they're set up proactively. Um, And the second thing to do is just have a relationship with somebody that you know who you're going to be able to trust and call if that ever happens. So you know what to do next because it's just really too complex. You you can't control litigation. It's other people being pissed. And then what are you going to say? Like I'm going to live my life and never piss off anybody. Like that's impossible. You know, you're in business. It's going to happen. True. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, What is something just, I mean, obviously I bet there's, there's all different stages that people can get involved with your company, but uh, give us a quick overview of pricing for something like this. Yeah. So, I mean, the basics of asset protection can come down to just having an LLC put in place, right. Um, All the way up to like bigger structures that include like offshore trusts and um, you know, you're typically going to find that people that have like three plus million net worth are going to start looking in that category. Um, so typically, I mean, you can find things that for people that are just getting going, that's like underneath a thousand bucks to be able to have professional advice, to be able to walk you through, okay, here's what you need to do. This is what we can put in place now. Here's the next steps of when you're going to need to revisit this, you know, as you go through. Um, up to some of our clients that spend 30 plus thousand dollars with us to, that want more robust structures, including estate planning and tax strategy and offshore protection and equity stripping and all of these more advanced strategies because they have the net worth to say, listen, it's worth the money to spend on it. Um, but I would recommend for everybody is, is uh, just being able to get clarity on where exactly you're at. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost anything. And what we do is we actually take um, all the information that we have and we push it all to our website about like here is the exact strategies that we're recommending for XYZ type of person, a single family home investor in California versus a single family home investor in Texas, you know, wherever you might be at. So well, you can actually see how all the information that we have maps out before you ever even get on the phone with us. And there's no, there's, you know, there's no uh, obligation, of course, to uh, put anything together. Um, if you want to see like, how does this actually work? You know, uh, for my particular situation from, you know, what all these strategies look like as best practices, what do they look like for me? You know, we're happy to walk through everybody with that as well. So, uh, so Scott, I mean, uh, you work with a number of real estate investors and um, you definitely see it from a different angle than most real estate investors. What are the most common mistakes that you see investors make, whether it's with what we're talking about on structuring their business or is there anything else that you see commonly 
that both new and experienced real estate investors might make? Um, yes, it's usually, in, it's not protecting your downside risk is where I see mm -hmm. most people uh, lose it, right? They do really good and they spend most of all their time thinking about like, how can they make more money, right? That's the exciting part of doing business is actually making money and putting together big deals, right? I mean, I can see a big smile on your face right now because you're like, <laughs> that's absolutely what's exciting for me, right? It's not very fun to start thinking about, okay, how is my operational pieces that are going to work? How is my insurance going to work? And how does my entity structure need to work? And how do I need to be filing the taxes for it? And, you know, those, that's where the real money gets made though, is because when you can actually clean up your operational plans and set the right foundations um, for, uh, for your business and for your investments, that's when you're really going to be able to scale. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to be able to scale to a very low degree. And then all of a sudden you're going to cap out and you're going to be like, I'm so stressed out of my mind. I can't really get more deals done. And all this stuff feels like super confusing and overwhelming to me now. Into it. Well, that's because you didn't set the foundations right. So mm -hmm. what we do is we help people say like, these are the, these are the foundations that we see putting together time and time and time again for scalability and how to scale without making well making your life simpler as you scale not more complex as you scale um so if you're on the path of financial freedom it's all about setting the right foundations setting those right foundations early and then building off of that with like long-term goals and if you do that you're gonna get to the goal you're gonna get to the end point because thousands of people have done it before you and they've done it that way if you're gonna try to create your own new way of doing it fantastic but just remember that pioneers are the ones that end up with arrows in their backs Right. And I imagine you have people when they come to you, they might be in all stages of their real estate investing career, whether they have an LLC or nothing. Maybe they have a couple LLCs that are all over the place. And um, so you can work with any type of client that uh, comes to you with any, who knows what they've already set up and uh, kind of get it sorted out for them. Yeah, that's right. And really the best clients for us are typically the people that did very little or mm -hmm. they really done nothing at all. And most people yeah. like haven't done anything at all. And they don't realize that like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing the absolute worst possible thing I could do <laughs> by owning all of the assets in my personal name. I didn't realize how like how exposed I really was and how lucky I've really got. Um, because there's, there's over a 90% probability that over the lifetime of being a real estate investor, you're going to end up in a major lawsuit. Right. And at that point, everything is a gamble. This is an infinite amount of money that people can sue you for. Um, and they can sue you pretty much for any reason. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can hope that your insurance is going to cover you. But if it doesn't, that's where you need an entity structure to come in. And that's where I'm saying, hey, it's your downside risk that you can limit or almost eliminate by being able to, uh, by moving, you know, the, the type of direction that we're helping people I mean, do. You know, right. so that's where I think that, you know, what we do sets people up to really hit financial freedom in a predictable way. And uh, last question, Scott, uh, we have uh, half of our listeners are based uh, outside the United States and some are already invested, some haven't. I imagine with 29,000 real estate investors that you work with currently, you have no problem working with uh, foreign investors as well. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. So there's typically what we'll do with that is that we'll, uh, we have, you know, some CPA relationships with work with cross-border CPAs. Mm. Um, and a lot of our investor clients that are overseas that would say, hey, I know I want to invest inside the United States. They typically will already have their own CPA uh, for that. And then what we do is work on, okay, what are all the best practices we see here on the domestic side and make sure that that's going to give the best tax implication uh, for wherever they're, wherever they're located uh, in the world. So U.S., international, uh, doesn't matter. We're going to be able to help. Awesome. Okay. That's awesome. And uh, how can our listeners learn more about you and your business? Yeah. The best thing to do is just go to the royallegalsolutions.com. Um, just go straight to the website and then go click on the take a quiz um, at the very top of the page. 
and then I'll take you to um, that'll take you to a quick quiz page. So on that quiz page, you fill out that quiz that gives us all the basic information that we need about you to have a meaningful conversation, right? I'm sure you know you probably talked to you know people before about that, and um, you'd probably like to be able to get really keen insights about what you need very early on in the process, and that's what that quiz allows us to do. So if you go to RoyalLegalSolutions.com, click the uh, get a price or take a quiz um, at the top of the page, and go fill out that quiz. Um, that we'll be able to start giving you insights from you know very early on in the process that are going to be helpful for you. Awesome, yeah. And just uh, for any of the listeners that are going to go, uh, and I'll put all the the link in the show notes. Um, it's very a very in depth website, so you can sign up for webinars, you can sign up for his mailing list, um, and uh, get all the information you want upfront, and then go through the uh, inquiry process if you uh, so please. So. Um, Thank you so much, Scott, for being on with us today. And um, hopefully we'll look forward to connecting with you in the future. Thanks, Charles. Really great to be here. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.